this series was put together by Pastor Dick Judson, and if you weren't here last week, he began by commenting that how many people want to say in our world today that you don't need church. God is God, and salvation is possible without organized religion, and if anything, they think it gives us a bad name. And Pastor Dick made a really good case last week that church is a place where we learn to deal with life's ups and downs, that we find strength through one another. We learn how to love one another. And it's also the place where God gives us people to love. So in many ways, when we come together on Sunday morning, when we gather together in small groups, when we go out to teeter to work, we are learning how to love one another in covenant with one another. I was especially moved when he got talking about how on every given Sunday we could find this room, and believe me, I've experienced this in my ministry. Every given Sunday, if we took the time to share, you'd find some people that are experiencing life at its greatest heights, so many great things to be excited about, but also in this same room are going to be people who are struggling with something very significant. And, And so right here is a ministry field. If we really listen to one another, if we truly understand ourselves in covenant with one another, this is how we learn to love as Christ has loved us. It's truly very important, as he shared that passage of Scripture last week for this series, that uh, when Jesus was speaking with Peter, after he's resurrected, and he asked him, do you love me? Peter's response, of course I love you, Lord. And what did Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So that's what this series is about. And today we're going to focus a, a little bit more on a specific verse that doesn't talk so much about sheep, but kind of infers it. Uh, in next week we're going to talk about how praying for others is significant to this loving and caring for others. And then Pastor Dick's going to wrap up the series when he talks about how mercy should always triumph judgment. But today the key verse is, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I loved you. When I put this message together, I felt like I was putting together more of a Bible study than a sermon, but that's okay because the phrases themselves out of this passage gives us an easy outline for us to flesh out and think more about what Jesus is talking about when he says, I give you a new commandment. That, that first phrase begins right at the very start of it and seems insignificant, but it says in 31, when Judas was gone, When Judas was gone. Now, those of us that know the story, we know there's some significance to that because where's Judas going? Judas is going to betray Jesus. He's on his way to the religious authorities to help turn Jesus over, to let them know where he is so they can come and arrest him, take him, try him. And it means that he's going to be led into a a journey of suffering and torture. And so this this sets the whole tone of everything that he says, not just in today's passage, but all of the upper room. Everything is, is got in the background that Jesus is about to be betrayed, which adds meaning to it and helps us understand what he means. So when Jesus talks about us loving one another, we have in our minds an understanding that love sometimes requires suffering. Love sometimes requires a cost from us. 
Love sometimes requires us putting ourselves in places we don't necessarily want to be because that's what our Lord and Savior does. And think about that when you contrast it to the, the images of Christianity we, we sometimes hear in places. You hear people talk about prosperity, people talking about that this is that we read the Bible because it's our manual, and if you follow that manual, then everything's going to go well. No, people, it will not always go well. When our Lord and Savior is somebody who suffered on the cross, who was ridiculed and tried and tortured and then gave his life and suffered a death that is one of the most painful types of the deaths that one can experience, then no, sometimes our love calls us to suffer. Sometimes our love calls us to sacrifice. Our love sometimes calls us to put ourselves in places we don't necessarily want to go, to take risks we don't necessarily want to take. So when Jesus was gone, tells us quite a bit about what that love looks like. And then it says, little children. Now, remember, who is Jesus talking to? He's not talking to a big crowd. He's not talking to a bunch of strangers. He's talking to his disciples. These are grown men. These are people who have followed him around for three years. They've taken some risk already. And he calls them little children. I think he does so for a reason. I don't think he's speaking down to them. And I would suggest that the reasons he says little children is much like why Pastor Dick, I, I don't claim to get into his brain and understand everything he thinks, but I assume he chose the care and feeding of sheep for a reason. Now, last week I, I got to have a fun experience. I took vacation, made the trek to see all my kids, and I got to spend a couple days with my grandson, Cohen. And those of you that are grandparents, you know how fun and special that is. Got to spend all day Tuesday, took him to the zoo in Evansville, and that was quite a fun experience, give and take. Of course, he's been to the zoos many times, so he knew the things to show me that we need to go see. But you know about this relationship, and, and that day went really well. You know, it's really fun. Isn't it fun as grandparents when the kids just let you have the grandchild and they go away so you can just have that one-on-one -on -one with them? It, it all went really well until it was time to get back in the car and I had to collapse the stroller. You know, I was really proud of being a grandpa all day, running him around everywhere and showing him off, and then I had to collapse the stroller. And I couldn't figure it out. I, I, even, I even waved this mother over. Could you help me? And she couldn't figure it out. So I had to call my daughter. And, and <laughs> but anyway, minor blip on the radar. But it was a great day. But you know, what was interesting for me is I reflected upon, because I hadn't had this feeling since I'd been a parent which, of little children, which has been a, been a while. But I realized how dependent my grandson was on me. How much he could not experience at the zoo, even though he's been to the zoo, he wouldn't experience it without me being able to help him. We came to this little ropes course, and he wanted to do that ropes course, but he was afraid of doing it on his own. He reaches up, and he wants my hand. All I got to do is just hold his hand, go do it. He can do it, but he wanted me to do it. We, we got to go on a paddle boat and pedal that little place out on the lake that's had a couple fountains in it. And, you know, he couldn't reach the pedals. He would have never had that experience without me. And he probably would have never thought about steering that boat so it gets into the way of the fountains, throws a little water on you. He wasn't sure what I was doing there the first time, but as soon as I did it, he was like, again, again. So we had to do that three or four times, get good and wet on a hot day. But imagine the dependency 
I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at when he says little children. It's the same kind of thing when he calls us sheep. I imagine Pastor Dick will probably want to talk a little bit more about some of the characteristics of sheep, but just a couple things that remind us of what Jesus might be getting at here. Have you ever seen a beware of sheep sign anywhere? No, you don't usually, do you? You won't see any animal wide-eyed running for their lives because of a sheep. Their teeth are not sharp. They can't run very fast. They're not camouflaged, so they can't hide from their prey. How do sheep survive? They only survive because of the shepherd who loves and cares for them and protects them. And, and something else about sheep is that they know the voice of their shepherd. Because they're raised, they come to trust that voice. That voice has protected them and loved them and looked after them. And so they follow that voice anywhere. And what does this have to do with pastoral care, with about loving others, about caring for others? Well, those of you that have been involved in pastoral care, you know what it's like sometimes to be put in a situation where you feel like you're in over your head. You're dealing with a person and you've not dealt with what they've dealt with. You're not quite sure what to say. And so you pray, Lord, give me the words. And gosh, lo and behold, sometimes you're amazed what comes out of your mouth. Because God gives you those words. God gives you that courage. God provides what you need. And what a wonderful feeling that is. So, little children. And then, we come to that, I give you a new commandment. To love one another just as I've loved you. What's so new about Christian love? I mean, if you read the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible talks a lot about love. There's plenty of examples of love there. And even those in the Greco-Roman world who are hearing Christianity for the first time, they knew love. They had three words for love. So what's so new about what Jesus is talking about? And, of course, we got all the background we've already talked about that sacrificial love that he demonstrates on the cross. But along the way, he's shown us and fleshed out that in much greater ways, has he not? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like leaving the 99 sheep and going to find that one who's astray, doing whatever it takes to go after that one. He says the kingdom of God is like that loving father whose son goes away, that prodigal son, and waste all the family fortune. But still, when he comes back, he sees him from afar, and he runs to him, and he throws the largest party. That's what God's love is like. You see, with Jesus, there's love, and then there's love. And those that know and follow Christ know that he calls us to a higher level of love. It's the kind of love that when a Roman soldier says, carry my backpack one mile, instead of getting angry and resentful, you say, I'll carry it too. It's the kind of love that responds to Jesus' words when he says, love your enemies and pray for those who harass or persecute you. It's a love that is beyond what we see in the normal tit-for-tat world that we've experienced. It's a very unique and special love. Robert Sinese wrote a book called Five Practices of fruitful congregations. And he talks about, in one section, one of those tasks is to be about risk-taking mission. 
It's a good question for us as congregations to always ask as well as for people. But he says, risk-taking refers to the service we offer that stretches us out of our comfort zone and has us engaging people and offering ourselves to ministries that we would have never have done if not for a desire to follow Christ. Do you hear that last phrase? There's some things are easy to do. It's easy to raise money for children. It's, it's kind of easy, obviously, to raise money to deal with visible things like malaria, HIV, AIDS. But then there's lots of places that are not as fun to go to, people that are not as easy to love, ministries that are not as comfortable for us to do. So where do we go out of our comfort zone? And, and so the accompanying question is, what have we done in the last six months to make a positive difference in the lives of others that we would not have done if it were not for our relationship with Christ? What a great question to ask for our personal journey, but also as a congregation to ask. We experienced that a little bit this, this week with the Monday Lunch Program. That's a program we tried a couple years ago, but didn't have a whole lot of success. I think we'd we get five, six, or seven show up. It was kind of frustrating to put all that energy in and not have many show up. But Faith Richmond, who's our church receptionist and administrative uh, office worker, decided that she'd take it on. She sent a message out to North Elementary and White River Elementary. She hoped for 15 people. They prepared a hot lunch. They had tacos served, and they had all the supplies together to put together a brown bag lunch for each of the rest of the days of the week, for each person that comes. We had almost 30 show up. We ran out of food. Had to just start making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It was a nice problem to have. But it was a wonderful experience, not just because of the help that we offered, but because we got to spend some conversation with people and got to know them. And we shared our vacation Bible school that's coming up in a couple weeks. And, and one of the families showed a little bit of leadership. She offered to volunteer for that, as well as to help out in any way that we need her for the Monday lunch program, which is what real ministry is about, ministry with the poor and not ministry for the poor. Part of the genius of what Faith did was she decided to make sure we didn't waste any food was we'll serve the hot meal, and then the lunches will let the people who come help us put the them together so we don't make the bags and then they just sit for a week. And that helped us not only to save food, but it was another way we were doing ministry with as they got to participate in that effort. Risk-taking mission. That's the kind of love. And then the last phrase I'd like to close with says, this is how everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how everyone will know. We live in a really skeptical world right now. Religion isn't high on a lot of people's agenda. Many who just assume do without and think they're better off without it. The only thing that's going to wake people up to the power and love of Christ, the only way that the mission and ministry of the church will continue is they see something extraordinary from us. If they see us going beyond the call, see us changing lives and transforming the world in real and concrete and tangible ways. That's what I believe we're trying to do out of Teeter, help people see something real that's taking place. It's not just talk, it's not just words, but it's action as well.
Where have you seen that extraordinary love before? I got to see it lived out when I went on vacation. I've mentioned before a friend of mine named Dave Cave. He and I ran around together. We probably watched our daughters run over 100 cross-country meets from elementary, junior high, and high school. And when you run around together as parents, you kind of get close to each other. You know, it becomes a family. And Dave was somebody that I naturally connected with. He's one of these people that wherever you are with him, he makes you the most important person in the room. He knows how to ask those great questions, and he's always curious about other people. He just loves people, and he's never met a stranger. It doesn't matter how important you are or how unimportant you are. Well, I mentioned a few weeks back that Dave has got cancer. It's a very unusual stomach cancer that started in the appendix. They operated about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, got it all as best they knew, but they told him then it's a cancer that tends to come back. And the report from my daughter, Sasha, was that it had come back. He's looking at another surgery, the same exact surgery he did almost a year ago. So, and Sasha's down in Nashville. I came up to New Albany to see Janae and my son, Devin. And I spend the day with today. We're kind of running around New Albany seeing the things that have changed. Boy, so much is changing down there. We made sure we went to Zesto's and got our ice cream fix. And I thought, it'd be really neat to see Dave. And I didn't know if he'd be up for a visit. I pictured when Sasha told me his situation, I thought he'd be sitting at home in a chair trying to conserve his energy. So I called him up. I said, Dave, would you be up for a visit? He said, well, I've got a doctor's appointment here in about half an hour, but about 4 o'clock i got to be back at work. Why don't you just meet me at work? Which I thought was good news. He's working. So he showed up at 4 o'clock. And I have to say, I was greatly comforted because Dave looked great. He's lost some weight, but it was good weight to lose at the time. But he's still his bright, cheerful self. He talked about what he's facing, another surgery, but you'd think he's just going to the, having a colonoscopy or something, you know? It's just another thing he has to do. He's that same Dave. He's that same person that, that has been so special to me through the years. And that faith is so evident that his faith has given him the strength to face this each and every day. And when we got up to leave, he said, Jerry, would you pray for me? And it was quite an honor to do that. I wasn't there as his pastor. I was just there as a friend. And I prayed, and I was so thankful my daughter Janae was there to watch this faith, to see a living faith, an extraordinary faith at work, helping somebody face life's most difficult challenges. And what a blessing it was. A couple of days later, I sent him a text. I said, so good to see you, Friday. Thanks for making the time. Always been blessed by your friendship. Now, you inspire me. Have a good day. Where have you seen extraordinary faith? That's what the world needs right now. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Aaron? This time of reflection is something that we do regularly at 11 o'clock, and it's just an opportunity to share and a little other perspective or a story or something that kind of reinforces what 
uh, the message is about today. And um, this passage that we must love one another is interesting because we should love one another. We could love one another. It might be a good idea to love one another. When they do blank, we will love one another. When we blank, we will love one another. If we feel like it, we will love one another. When people deserve it, we will love one another. Those are more like what we would say, um, not must. Uh, Conditional love is often what we prefer. But Jesus says that if we are his followers, we must love one another. A few years ago, it's been many years ago now, like probably a dozen or so, I was a chaplaincy resident resident down at Methodist Hospital. And during that time, um, one of my areas of uh, care was the emergency room, uh, which at at that same time, my dad and my uh, sister worked in the emergency room too, so it was a family affair down there. But anyway... um, about once a week or so, I had to spend the night at the hospital, and anytime you're spending the night in the hospital as the chaplain, you are on call for the entire hospital, so anything that happens, you, you get the call. And one night, I remember a gentleman um, was in a car accident. Um, a drunken driver had hit him uh, and his wife, and his wife was killed. And so I was called to the ER um, to talk to the husband and let him know that his wife had passed away. Uh, Docs don't like necessarily dealing with death, uh, but uh, at night especially they become scarce (laughs) when they have to make those uh, uh, calls to people or or visits to people. And so I went in and I shared it with him, and he um, knew already because he saw the scene of the accident and knew it wasn't good. So I spent some time with him, and we prayed, and and he talked about his wife, and he talked about um, what he felt like he could have done differently. (laughs) And so I reassured him that there was not anything he could have done, and and just talked to him um, and uh, prayed with him. But then the last thing he said to me before I left um, was that if I ever met the woman who was the driver, to tell her that while I am crushed, devastated by this, I forgive her and I'll be praying for her. So I said that I would, and in my heart I knew that if that was me sitting there instead of him, I don't know that I would have been so kind or brave. Um, I may have said something more like, if you ever get a chance to see that woman say horrible, mean things to her, or smack her, or I don't know what. I went back to the chaplain's room and tried to take a nap again.
off again. Yes, there were pagers back then. I think there still are, but <laughs> anyway. Um, and I got another call to go up on another floor. And when I got there, it was the woman who was the driver. And before I went in, they told me that she was still drunk and um, had been sedated somewhat because uh, she was injured as well. And that she didn't know yet what she had done. She didn't know that the other driver or other passenger was killed. And they kind of insinuated that I shouldn't tell her. And so I went in and I listened to her and she talked and she knew something had happened, but she didn't know what. And I, I was young and I didn't know whether I should tell her or not. So I didn't tell her. Um, and she kept talking and talking, and she never really claimed any responsibility, just that she knew she was in an accident and something had happened. And, but before I left, I just said, you don't know what happened yet, um, and you will know, but I want you to hear one thing from me. And I want you to remember this, so look at me, remember this. And I got a little bit firm with her, and I said, he wanted me to tell you That he forgives you. And then I left. Well, then I was reflecting on this experience like you always have to do when you're a resident in anything. You know, you got to go meet with your supervisor and they say, what have you done this last week? You reflect on the experiences. So I got to reflect on this one. And as I was reflecting, I said, how can someone, meaning the man who lost his wife, how can anyone feel love toward the person who recklessly killed their wife? And I'll never forget, the supervisor looked me right in the eye and he said, love is not a feeling. It is a command. And I was reminded that day that I must love as a witness to my faith and maybe, maybe even more importantly when people don't deserve it. So I share that with you today to remember that Jesus says we must love one another even when it isn't convenient, even when it isn't pretty, even when it isn't even what we want to do. We must love one another. 